0: All right, 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to talk today about living in the supernatural. We're going to talk about the supernatural today. A lot of people don't believe in it. Let's see what the Bible has to say. We're going to look at one, we'll look at one verse today. I, when you leave here today, I want you to understand one verse and one truth. And this is one of those great verses. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 says this. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the greatness or the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. All right, a lot of people reject the supernatural. Listen to what I'm fixing to say. Biblical Christianity will have a supernatural element to it. True. True. it will ha- there will be something supernatural there. All right, uh, I don't know how you define supernatural. Let me define it from Scripture. Supernatural is when you take two things and put them together. What are the two things? Supernatural and natural and when you combine those two things you got supernatural the super is the divine it's god the natural is me when you put me and god together then you got supernatural what's another way of saying it when you take this treasure and you put it in this earthen vessel then you've got supernatural you got the power of god inside of a struggling man now now the bible talks about an earthen treasure an earthen treasure and a tre excuse me, I'll get this right one of these days. I'm old. We have a treasure in this earthen vessel. All right, what's the earthen vessel? When the Bible talks about earthen vessel, what is that? Some people say, well, that, that's our bodies. More than that, that's me. Uh, an earthen vessel means a struggling, needy, gifted human being. I live in a body, and this body is an earthen vessel. That's why we say at funerals from dust we came, because we came out of the dust. This is an earthen vessel. Uh, But any time you see earthen vessel in the Bible, it talks about struggling humanity, a natural man with all of his faults, fears, and blessings. What is the treasure? Friend, the treasure is the precious Holy Spirit of God. It's the presence of God. It's Jesus in the earth. Let me quote to you. uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, do you not know that your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God and that you're bought with a price and that God lives in you? This body right here, the moment I say, Jesus, be my Lord, come in. Very God himself, his presence comes inside this body right here. Do you not know that your body is the dwelling place, temple of the Holy Spirit? Um, Jesus said this. We know everybody's, tell me how to be a better person. It's simple. It's simple. Let God come in and do it. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Listen to this. So that the greatness of the power is God and not me.
1: All
0: right. Uh, let me quote to you uh, from Scripture. Uh, Colossians 1.27 said this. This great truth that's been hidden through the ages, Christ in you is the hope of a glorious life. It's not you learning more. It's not you trying harder. It's not you behaving. It's Jesus inside of you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's why the Bible said in Ephesians 5.18, here's what the Father wants to do for you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of Jesus. It's not the will of God that you live a better life. I'm sorry. It's not the will of God that you struggle and try. It's the will of God that Jesus come in on the inside. And do through you what you could never do for yourself. Amen. That's why the Bible said we have a treasure, very God Himself, in this earthen vessel. So that the, if something good comes out of it, the greatness is God, not me. It's the power of God. It's not my strength. It's not my energy. And this, is, this, is, when you get that, what do you got? You got supernatural. We should live a supernatural life. I'ma live a natural life, but there should be something super about my life. There, there should be an element there that. Can't explain. All right, now we got two extremes today, in in the churches and in the land. everywhere. got two extremes, and one is the extreme where people want to be so super, but there's nothing natural about them. <laughs> I mean, everything is spiritual. They're so spiritual. They glow in the dark. They flow everywhere. You, you know what the name for these people? You know what these people are called? Weirdos. <laughs> I mean, they can't just. They can't burp. They can't. They can't listen to country music. They can't. I was, I was with one of these guys. I said, you do thirsty? He said, I'm thirsty for the living. What, brother? I said, look, goofball. I'm talking about Diet Coke. You want one or not? But, but just so eat up with this spiritual stuff, they drive you nuts. And, and people run from them. They're, they because I'm so spiritual. No, it's because you're a weirdo. Listen to me. People didn't run from Jesus. People, all kinds of crazy people were flocked to Jesus. If people run from you because you're spiritual, something wrong, Bubba. So you got the, you know, you got these people that are so spiritual. You hate to be around them. Well, that's out of balance. The bigger problem is on the other side. You got another out of balance, all natural, no spiritual. Right. Everything we do is in our own strength. And you go to church and they tell you, you got to quit cussing. You got, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You got to do better. You got, it's always you gotta. I thought the power was supposed to be of God and not of me. Right, there's a prophecy concerning this day. It's one of the great prophecies. It may be the most compact, important prophecy. about. You know, prophecy is when God tells you in the Bible, here's what's going to happen at that period of time. And there's a prophecy in the Bible that talks about this day. And I want you to look at it with me. And I want you to tell me if you don't see this happening. Turn turns me to 2 Timothy 3. I think this may be one of the most important. This may be the most compact prophecy in the Bible concerning the day we live in. And it mentions this is how things are going to be in the earth. Isn't it funny how he knows what's coming before it gets here? You can read the book of Revelation. He, knows he wraps this thing up. You So, how does he know that? Only thing I know today is he's real smart. But in 2 Corinthians 3, I've watched this happen in my lifetime. I've seen this unfold in my 65, 64 years. And in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. I want you to listen to these words. He said, know this. Listen to the Father's heart. I'll I'll help you. If you'll let me, I'll help you so you'll understand what's going on in your life. Know this, that in the latter days... Now, latter days refers to a period of history right before the second coming of Jesus. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Bible divides time into seven periods, seven eras. Seven eras. This is found in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. From the time Jesus was crucified and went back to heaven, there are seven periods of time before he'll return to this earth to change it. We're in the seventh period. And there are seven periods on his time clock. We're in that period. So that's called the latter days. Now, whether he comes back tonight or 50 years from now, I do not know. But we're in that period. So he said this, know this, in the latter days, stressful times will come. Difficult times will come. You want to argue with him? Are we living in stressful times? If you're my age or, you know, like you were around when Mr. Ford came out with the Model T like I was, you've seen a change in this land. You've seen a change in the earth. And we're living in stressful times. And then what he tells you now there, he says this. The reason times are going to be so hard is because of the attitudes of people. People's attitudes are going to change. And he mentions two primary attitudes, self-centeredness and greed. What happens in a family or a marriage when somebody gets self-centered? It's all about me. That makes for a stressful marriage, doesn't it? All right, what happens in a church when you've got a few self-centered people who want to take over? That makes for a bad church. What happens in a nation when everybody's out for themselves? Division. Stressful times. What happens when you get greedy? You've got mess like it's going on over in Ukraine right now. So he said, all right, it's going to be tough because men's hearts are going to become very selfish and very greedy. But I want you to notice what else he says. Of all the things he says there... want you to notice what he says in verse 5 at this time people will have a form of godliness but deny its power they'll be religious they'll go to church they'll be christian but there'll be no power there they'll have there'll be formal godliness you know preachers organizations churches crosses all that stuff where's the power but the power of god will not be there all right let me quote to you again we got this treasure in earthen vessels, so the greatness of the power is of God and not of us. There should be a power in my life. There should be a supernatural power in my life that gives me the ability to do things that I cannot do. It's not about me trying harder. It's not about me going harder. So listen, dear ones, there's uh, two extremes today. You got this extreme of people trying to be so religious and spooky and weird. and They just drive me nuts. I'm just natural. I'm just a normal guy. I want God to do something in me. And and listen, I'm going to get older, and the older I get, the grayer I'm going to get. It doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. It means I'm old. Natural. This treasure's in a natural earthen vessel. I remember years ago watching a preacher saying, he was big on faith. He was overboard on faith. And he said, by faith, he said, I'll never allow my hair to turn. By faith, my hair will stay black till I die. By faith. I thought, I don't see that nowhere in the Bible. I saw him the other day on TV, 85 years old, his hair is jet black. You listen to me. That ain't got nothing to with faith. That's Clairol. That's Clairol is what that is. I was watching this lady preach the other day. She talked about by faith being youthful. I'm probably going to get in trouble saying it. If she has one more surgery, her ears are going to touch behind her head she keeps up and up. She's going to look like the Joker one day. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. All right, let me tell you what my father's plan is. It's not for you to straighten up and do right. My father's plan is for you to live a supernatural life. There's supposed to be a treasure in an earthen vessel. And the powers of him it's not god that tells you you ought to be ashamed of yourself you ought to straighten up you ought to do better that's religion that's not jesus jesus says let me come in we used to sing old songs like this what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought made since i joined the baptist church no what a wonderful change in my life has been made since jesus came into my heart the secret to change is not my effort Christ in you is the hope of glory the spirit of God inside of people is the hope for eternal change, for hope for all the, all the difference in the world now, now listen, till I get promoted now there's going to come a day when I'm going to be perfect go ahead and say it I wish you'd hurry up, alright the Bible tells me and you in Romans 8 and other places that, when we, that we will be perfected like Jesus there'll be a day when I'm absolutely perfect cannot sin, but it ain't now but until that day, I'm going to live in a natural state. I'm going to be human. I'm going to be fallen human till that day. I'm just uh, I'm going to get tired at the end of the day. And the older I get, the tarter I get. I'm going to get hungry. I have to eat. And listen to me. I don't listen to me. Listen to me. I don't care how spiritual I get. I don't care if I walk in the heavens. I don't care how much I love Jesus and pray. If I eat Mexican food, I'm going to get gas. That's just all there is to it. There was, we have the treasure side, but we have the natural side. He wants the two to go together that the greatness might be of Him and not of me. Let me tell you something else. I don't care much I love God. I'm going to struggle with sin until the day I die.
1: There's
0: times I want to slap people naked. I don't do it. You can't amen that. I don't do it. Because the Bible says, be angry but sin not it's okay to get angry just don't hit nobody you say i can't believe you said that god said that where's this supernatural we're supposed to glow in the dark you don't glow in the dark when you get home you only glow in the dark on sunday morning i want to see you on friday night it was it's a supernatural life I, i don't we're gonna wrestle and you know why Because even though we've got perfect almighty God on the inside, this is an earthen vessel. And His plan is to have the glorious supernatural touch of God inside a normal human being. A very human being. Don't don't feel bad about your humanity. He made you. Let me me ask you a question. The Bible said He's going to make me perfect one day. He's able to do that. Why can't He do it today? Same God that's going to make me perfect one day. He could do it right now. He could make me perfect. I'd never burp or sin again. It's not his will. His will is to have the treasure in an earthen vessel now so that he gets the credit and the greatnesses of him. Um, I'm going to enjoy non spiritual stuff till forever. I'm going to go fishing. I don't care how spiritual I get, I'm going fishing, period. I'm going to eat Mexican food. I like it, it's good stuff. And uh, I'm going to watch a rodeo on TV. He said, What kind of preacher are you? Normal. I'm normal. I'm not religious. I just love Jesus. Knock your religious stuff off. And, uh, you know, one day the preachers got on. Jesus said, uh, he, they invited him to eat. He sat down and ate without washing his hands. They stripped. I mean, their panties got all up in a wad because he sat down to eat without washing his hands. And they jumped him and said, you, what kind of Christian are you? You don't wash hands before you eat. What a stupid question to ask God. He can do whatever he wants to. And you know what he said to them? He said, don't worry about the outside. You need to clean the inside. He said, get your heart cleaned up. Quit worrying about your hands. Pay attention to your heart. He's always dealing right here. And anyway, we're going to be normal. But listen to me. If I'm a follower of Jesus and I know Jesus, even though I'm a natural guy, live in a natural body and do natural things and struggle, there should be a super element to my life. There should be a treasure in this earthen vessel. And you should see a power that is not of me. It is of Him. Yes, it is. You know, I'm, I, are you with me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, we're all, we're, all, we're all impressed with flashy miracles. What he said the greatest thing was by far and away. Number one thing he's looking for. All right, if God's in here, even though I'm a natural guy and I get tired and I struggle and I, there should be a supernatural love for people in me that I couldn't do. Matter of fact, let me tell you something. That's not part of his plan. That's the big one. He said, that's the number one thing you're to look for in people. John 13, he said this, by this, all people, all people will know that you're my follower when they see how you love people. When he said all people, what's he talking about? People you work with. The girl at the cash register. Your waitress. Mm -hmm. Let's get wild. Your mother-in-law. Now, dear ones, we need to quit putting forth this human love and saying this is, dear ones, it's God's love. It's the love of God. There's a difference between human love and divine love. You can't can't do it. Only God can do this. Let me show it to you, Matthew chapter 5. Turn with me, look at two loves in Matthew chapter 5. All my life, I've been in churches, and them, them old ladies in church, I'm not against old ladies in church, I'm married to one. But all my life... You can tell. You can tell she ain't here this morning. <laughs> Sleeping on the couch tonight. But uh, all my life, is old we love you, brother Brian. We love you, and I think, like, yeah, you sure do. First time I don't do something you like, Elvira's coming out in you. I can see it. Shoot, man, Cruella Deville run me over if I don't do what she says. Demons, Jesus should change people's lives. And listen to me, you don't make you religious. You don't start wearing ties. People fuss at me for not wearing a tie in church. Cowboys don't like things pulled up around their necks. It reminds them of what they used to do to people that stole horses. They don't want nothing put up around their necks. It's not about the outside, it's about the inside. Right. All right, Matthew 5 43, Jesus said this, He changed his lives. You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemy. What did you say? All your life you've lived like this, loving the people that love you, loving your friends, loving your family, loving the easy people, but you don't love the hateful people. Jesus said, we're going to change that. I want you to start loving the hateful people. I want you to start loving your enemies. And then he compared, he compared religious people to hell's angels. Look at it. Uh, Verse 46. If you love people that love you, what reward have you? Tax collectors do the same. He said, if you if you love your mama and you love your friends and you love folks you go to church with, he said, ain't no big deal. Hell's angels do that. He said, lost people do that. He's talking about a different kind of love here. He's talking about the love of God. God so loved the world that had their fist in his face that he nailed his son to a cross to help. That's the love we're talking about here. He said, Brother Brian, I'm gonna try to love him. You missed it a mile and a half. You missed it, Doc. You don't try to love people. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the greatness of the power would be of Him and not of us. Yes. You know, there's only one way to love like Jesus loves. What is it? He's got to do it. Yes. Go ahead and say, you can't do it. You try. You can't do it. Only He can do it. All right, turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Let's look at that. It's a wonderful day when you quit trying and quit beating yourself up and say, you know what? If God don't come through, I'm sunk. You need to live your life the same way you met Jesus. The Bible said in Colossians chapter 2, as you receive Jesus as your Lord, walk it out the same way. Live it out. How many of you received Jesus? You know how I received Jesus? I fell down on my knees at the front of a school bus bumper and said, I I am so sorry for what I did to you at the cross. I need you to save me. I had nothing to do with it. I asked him to do it and he did it. I had nothing to do with it. I just asked him to help me. What did the Bible say? Why don't you live the rest of your life like that? Instead of trying to be a good person, why don't you fall on your knees every morning and say, if you don't help me, I'm going to kill somebody by dark. If you don't help me, I'm going to slap somebody for lunch. You say, what, what, what kind of preacher are you? One who has a treasure in an earthen vessel and has the power of God, and it's not a me, it's of him. This, is, this, is, this sounds strange to American Christians. This is the Bible. This is what the Bible teaches. That what we call Christianity today, it's... Not only does it bore me, I can't do it. Sorry. You say, well, you're not even trying. Bingo. I thought it was supposed to be, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. You've got to behave. That ain't good news to me. and It sure don't bring me no joy. Romans 5.5, 5, here's the secret. Hope does not disappoint because the very love of God has been put into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. What's the secret? It's not for you to try to do something It's for God Himself to come inside of you and change your heart. It's for the Holy Spirit of God to come in your heart. I've seen this miracle happen. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. I used to be one of the most... I was one of the most hateful people you ever met. You know, I blamed it on the way I was raised. That might have had something to do with it. It was really demons. I, I just hated people. I wasn't prejudiced. I hated everybody. And I'd fist fight you in a heartbeat. Got arrested the first time I was 14. I was arrested at 17 for attempted murder. I was just mean. I didn't care about anybody, and I had a meeting. I didn't. I wasn't looking for God. I couldn't have cared less. He found me. But let me tell you what happened. I, 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 when God came into my life, the Spirit of God came into me. I still was rough. I still cussed. I still do. Not as bad as I used to. I'm getting better. Can I get an amen about that? And I'm. I'm really trying. Especially, I do much better when my wife's around. Um, But let me tell you one thing that changed in me overnight. The way I saw people changed. The way I felt about people changed. I just couldn't hate people anymore. I think you've heard my story. Not long after I was saved, my girlfriend was kidnapped and murdered. And the man that did it, I was shocked. There'd have been a time I'd have killed him. I'd have killed you for less than that. At one time, I had no hatred toward him whatsoever. And I prayed for him that he'd find the same Jesus I found. Now that wasn't me right there. That was the love of God that was, a, that was a, the treasure in the earthen vessel and the power was not of me, it was of God. Met a guy one time and he was, uh, I don't know what his title was. I, I don't know if it was his title. Or not. I called him the Grand Dragon, but he was the head of the Ku Klux Klan in, in Tennessee in his community. Ku Klux Klan is a bunch of demon-possessed folks that hate black people. And he was head of the Ku Klux Klan and he hated people. And a friend drug him to a meeting one night. He didn't know what he was getting into. I think he thought some kind of Klan meeting, but it was a revival meeting lied to him and made him go to it. And he got mad and he got Sat there with his arms folded. And about then something hit him like a freight train, put him on his face. Last time I saw him, he was sitting in a cell block. He wasn't with five prisoners, five young black men gathered around them, tears running down his face, telling him how much God loved him, and how much he loved him, he just wanted to help him. Now, how do you go from the Ku Klux Klan to wanting to help people that you hated? You said, boy, that's a good man. No. That's God. That is a treasure coming into an earthen vessel and the greatness of the power is of God and not of Him. This is biblical Christianity. It's not, it's not me, it's, it's Jesus. There should be a supernatural... The, the, it's not, can you... Brother Brian, raise the dead so we can see a miracle. You're, you're clueless, Doc. <laughs> Love your mother-in-law. <laughs> Them hateful people you work with, let God change your heart toward them so you can see that the only reason they're hurting people is because they're hurt people. Yes. Let Him put you at the love of God. In you. But listen, every believer should have a supernatural love in them. Let me mention two more things every believer should have. In these dark days we live in, God said it was going to be like this. Yes, what you bothered by? When He said darkness will cover the earth, that makes for dark days. Every believer should just burn with a supernatural hope. You know what hope is? It's an excitement about the future. There's, you should get up in the morning saying, God, praise God. You should look out the rest of your life for yourself and your children to know God's going to do something great. It's called supernatural hope. You're excited about life. So Brother Brown, how in the world are you trying to have a positive attitude? No. I'm not talking about that junk. That's you. There should be a supernatural hope in you because of God in you. Now, let me quote it to you. Look this up. We won't look at it. You look it up sometime. Romans 15:13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace when you hear His voice, and you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what hope is? That's when you're excited about the future and what He's doing in you and in your family and around you. You know, we should just have this hope about us. Every believer that lets Jesus turn loose on the inside, while this world is getting more depressed, you should be getting more excited.
1: Amen.
0: You, don't, you don't try to. God does that in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Let me mention a third one. There should be a supernatural peace in every believer. I mean, it matter of fact, it should be so crazy that when people watch you, how that you don't get upset, you're not afraid of the future, you're not afraid of anything, you don't worry about anything, they should look at you and say, that don't make no sense right there. Bingo. What the Bible say about it in Philippians 4, 7, there is a peace that... Passes all understanding. Let me tell you what the greatest gifts God ever gave you. This is John 14 27. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Now the world's peace, if everything's hunky-dory, I can relax. No, not that mess. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Don't let your heart ever be afraid. Don't ever let it be worried. Don't ever be troubled. Let me show you a picture of this peace. One day Jesus and 12 friends rent a boat. Pretty good sized boat. A storm comes and that storm is so bad that experienced sailors are saying, we're dying, we're dying. The boat was filling with water. Where was Jesus? Does anybody remember? He was asleep asleep in the bottom. Asleep. He said, well, maybe he was deaf. He wasn't deaf. He was God. You know why he could sleep through the storms of life? That's the peace of God. Nothing affected him. He said, well, yeah, that was God. I thought God lived in you. Listen to me. There is a peace that God gives people. There should be a supernatural peace about us. I hear Christians all the time say, I'm scared for my children. That's not right. So don't you know what's going on out there? Don't you know how big He is? Where's your God? Okay, brother Brian, I'm trying. No, you you missed it again. You don't try. There's a treasure in here. There's a power that's of God and not of us. This is, the, this is the great gift of God called the Holy Spirit. Jesus, what am you going to call Him? Jesus, whatever. Let me, uh, let me throw in two more here real quick. There should be a supernatural ability in every believer that can only be explained by God. What's it called in the Bible? Spirit gifts. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, every believer, every follower of Jesus is going to be given spirit gift, a spirit gift, or maybe more. And the Bible lists 28 gifts. And He distributes these gifts. Now, Jesus had all of them. When He went back to heaven, it said He ascended on high and He gave all His gifts to His people. Every one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have what's called a spiritual gift. you got one of those 28 or maybe two or three. I have three of them. Uh, you might have two or three of them. But this, it's not that you're good at this. This is God doing this. And you, you can just tell, it. this is not me, this is God. And it lists all those gifts and different people have them. And the, these spirit gifts, uh, let me just mention that, for instance, uh. There's a gift in 1 Corinthians 12 called teaching. I have the gift of teaching. Now, Listen, some people teach because they're educated and they speak well. That's not me. I'm not educated. I didn't go to seminary. But uh, the gift to teach is I can take the Bible and read it and explain it and people just get it. Well, that's not my ability. That's the Holy Spirit of God. I've had people say, so I've been in church all my life, never understood it until you told me. He said, you know, he said, I've read that a thousand times. Never saw that till you said, well, that's the Holy Spirit of God. All right. right. There are different kinds of gifts. I've got a daughter who works in a recovery ministry and she has a gift called mercy. There's a spiritual gift called mercy and God gives it to people. And here's what the gift of mercy is. Your heart is so tender over people that are struggling. I mean, it's just God. It's the very heart of God inside of you. That's called the gift of mercy. She has that. And that's why she does what she does while she's in the ministry she's in. She went to school, Appalachian State, to be a teacher, taught one year, and had no mercy on them children whatsoever and quit. But she found her niche with girls that are struggling with life, and she loves it. You know why? If you find your gift, you'll love it. They're different gifts. Some people have the gift of helps, and what they just want to help people. And I said, I ain't doing that mess. They love it. That's their gift. There should be something supernatural about you that, that is God's touch on your life. All right, let me throw in one more to help you, because here's where we struggle a lot every believer by this gift in here, there should be a supernatural victory over the junk in our lives. See, we beat people up because they struggle. We beat people up because of their sins. You're not supposed to beat people up. You're supposed to help them up. God doesn't glare at you angry and say you ought to be ashamed of yourself. God says, let me give you something to help you with that. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is the one who whoops sin in my life. I don't care what you think, but have you ever read in the Bible, Romans 12, where it says this, that we have besetting sins. You know what a besetting sin is? That's one particular thing you struggle with more than anything else. And everybody's got different ones. I got mine, and you got yours. And let me tell you, you know what's funny about people? They'll look down there their nose at your besetting sin, and they can't even see theirs.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. See now, my, mine. Uh, say, say mine is temper, and mine was temper. And I'd somebody say, "That brother, but I, I, I can't imagine you getting upset. You should have seen me." when I was young and you should have seen you should have seen me after I was newly saved and trying to and you should see me once in a while now (laughs) I don't want to be perfect yet I need Jesus see how people look down their nose you know them old mild mannered people you're not spirit filled you're just dead (laughs) but as you, you look down your nose at mine you got yours whether it's pride prejudice selfishness And the big one today, addictions. Why do you beat people up that are addicted? You don't think they'd quit if they could? God doesn't beat people up because they struggle. God helps people with their struggles. That's who the Holy Spirit is. See if you can relate to this. I'm going to talk a little passage from Romans 7 to Romans 8. talks about Christians who struggle with things in their lives. See if you can relate to this. I love God's plan in my heart. I want to do it God's way. But I see something else inside of me fighting against that. Can I get a witness? That's Romans chapter 7. Oh, miserable man that I am, who can help me overcome this problem I have? Thanks be unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then was these dumb teachings we have in the church today. I've told, I think i go to these men's conferences and you know, men struggle with lust. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) Women do too nowadays. They didn't used to. They started back about the 80s. I think I don't know what to do with this. But men struggle. Ooh, everybody real quiet who said Lust. God Almighty. Men struggle with lust. They go to these men's conference, they're going to help men overcome lust. They're some of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Talking about cold showers and all this stuff. You're just going to be, you going to lust cold. And the stupidest one i ever heard, they said, put a thick rubber band around your wrist. When you lust, just pop it. you just go lust with a sore wrist. What's this nonsense? You know, these human techniques and all this trying, Christ in you is the hope of a glorious life. God doesn't beat you up. God helps you up. Listen to what the Bible said in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. You learn this verse. Thanks be unto God, the power of the Spirit of God in Christ Jesus has set me free from the power of sin in my life. What's the only way to be free from the power of sin in your life? The power of the Holy Spirit. And I think the harder you try, the further He'll stand back to you just cry uncle. I told you I'm in lifeguard school because I made a... I worked in a brickyard my first year summer of college, uh, hammering out bricks. I decided I'm going to get a job as a lifeguard. A whole lot easier to stare at girls than it is to hammer bricks when you're in school. So I, I got a job as a lifeguard. And the lifeguard, so they taught us this. When somebody's drowning, don't go try to get them. Just get out, swim out near them and stay back. And if they're still kicking, trying to help themselves, don't you dare touch them. They'll drown the both of you. Wait till they run completely out of energy and go under. Then you just cradle them and pull them back in. I heard that and the Holy Spirit said, yeah, yeah long as you still trying, he's gonna stand back. But when you cry, Uncle, he'll say, Now nah, I can help you. Listen to first Corinthians 12. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I can't help you till you get weak. And but we should uh quit accepting defeat. Surely you know that the God who hung the stars in space can help you. Say, so, Well, Brother Brown, everybody's human. Yes, we are, but it doesn't mean you have to live with garbage in your life. You don't have to be hateful to your family. You don't have to talk over to your wife. You don't have to be addicted to garbage, pornography, substance, whatever. You don't have to live like that. Jesus came to set you free. He came to set you free, not command you to be free. Set you free. And we need to quit accepting this junk and know that Jesus can help me. Now listen to me. I want you to do something else. Quit whining to God about it and calling it prayer. He knows. What did the Bible tell you to do with that, the problems in your life? What the Bible tell you to do? All right, listen to me. Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Speak to that mountain and tell it to get away from you. And you're going to have what you say. The Mountain in the Bible is always the obstacles in your life that keep you from getting where you want to be. Talk to your problems and tell... Quit telling God how big your problems are. start telling your problems how big your God is. Get out of my face. It was, this is... An old hymn writer wrote a great hymn in the 1990s, and he got it. His name was Garth Brooks. I don't understand. <laughs> Country musicians get this stuff better than preachers do. And he wrote a hymn about speaking to your mountains. You remember it? Y'all remember it? Long neck bottle, let go of my hand. Y'all remember that? <laughs> well, dear ones, listen to me. He was right. That bingo. You don't beat people up for struggling. Talk to that long neck bottle and tell it to let go of your hand in the name of Jesus. Now listen to me. I don't know why I keep saying, listen, and you're staring right at me. Um, <coughs> it's habit. Ain't nothing wrong with having a long neck bottle in your hand. Don't bother me none. But if it starts taking away from your family and if it's keeping you out of work and if it's making you act like a jackass in public, it is time to tell that long neck bottle to let go of your hand. And by the power of God for it to let go of your hand. Wow. You with me? Yeah. Any uh, Pride. I'm, I'm trying to think. of. Help me know all theirs. And all. Help me know all of theirs so I can hit theirs. <laughs> What's that, sir? We'll be here all day. My goodness. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever your problem is, God doesn't want you to live like that. He doesn't beat you up because of it. He wants to set you free from it. But it'll be by his power not yours you're not you're not tough enough you're not strong enough all right (laughs) here's what the bible teaches you need to expect the super in your natural now get off of it quit trying to be a super saint you're not you're just a normal person that's the natural but you need to expect the super all right but let me tell you something just because you're a christian you don't have the super you got to learn how to walk with it you got to learn how to let it happen let me show you that one last, turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. And we'll give you a great example. In the book of Galatians, that's uh, chapter 2 Corinthians, right in front of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. In Galatians 5, this is one of the greatest promises in the Bible for those of us that let, let me tell you something. If you're born, if Jesus is in you, you really don't, you don't want to hurt people. If you still like to hurt people, it's not that you're a bad Christian. You're not a Christian at all. You're not born again. In your heart. I'm talking about in your heart, not in your flesh, in your heart. If you don't want to care about people, it's not that you're not a trained Christian. You're not one at all. Jesus can't come inside of you and you not be changed at heart level. Now, you may struggle with some things, but Galatians 5 says this in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit or walk with the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What's the only way to keep from doing stupid things? It's not trying. It's the Holy Spirit. Let me put this in the Southern Alamance version. Learn how to walk with the Holy Spirit and you won't act like an idiot no more. Isn't that what it says? Walk with the Spirit. Learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and you won't do this stuff no more. You won't be hating people. You won't talk ugly to your wife. You won't beat on your kids. You won't cuss people out you understand what he's saying here? but then You you can be a Christian and still, can you not see? This is written to the church, so you've got to be a Christian. And he's telling Christians, if you'll walk with the Spirit, this garbage won't be there anymore. How would he do that? Let me give you a testimony of a guy's name, Charles Stanley. Anybody ever heard Charles Stanley? Charles Stanley is the most watched preacher in world history on the television. He's been around the globe everywhere. Charles is 105 now, he's been preaching all them years. (laughs) Charles grew up in Danville, Virginia, right up here. Charles' father left when he was just a baby. His mother had no education. She worked in a mill and life was very hard. And Charles, by his own admission, said, I was, I was scarred. I, I, was, had, you know, I was shy, I was terrible, low self-esteem, struggled with rejection, the mess of my daddy. He just struggled as a young man. He had one good influence in his life. His grandpa was the Pentecostal preacher at the church in Siler City. And uh, Charles said, I, you know, I went through high school and I struggled. And he said, in high school, I felt like, and he, he was, he became a believer as a young man. Started loving Jesus as a young man, believed the Bible. He said, in high school, I felt like God was calling me to preach. He said, I was shocked. He said, I could I couldn't be around people. I didn't want to be in front of people. He said, just wasn't my personality. He said, I, I'm a loner, and he said, I struggle with things. But he said, I knew God called me. And I and my grandpa, I told my grandpa, I said, son, he said, I'll never forget. He said, son, my grandpa, he said, greatest thing my grandpa took, said, if God tells you to run through that brick wall, you put your head down and take off. He'll either make a way or he'll heal your head. You do whatever he tells you to do. <laughs> Charles' grandpa I told him that when he was young, when he told him, I think I'm so preached. All right. He goes to college, finishes his college, goes and does his graduate work, gets his degrees and he's ready to preach. So the first little church was a little tiny church in, uh, up in the mountains and it was in a little mountain town up near Hendersonville, and uh, the whole, I've been to the ch- whole church of fit on this platform up here. It's called Fruitland Baptist Church, and he went there to be the pastor, and he said, I'm struggling, and he said, but, but he said, I love God, and I love the Bible, and I really cared about the people, but I just struggled personally. All right, there's a Bible college right beside it there called Fruitland Bible Center. My president there was a friend of mine, and he said, uh, after a few weeks, he came over and he said, well, we've always expected the preacher at this church to teach in this Bible college. He said, that scared me, spitless. He said, I'm barely standing up in front of 80, 80 farmers. How am I going to get in front of those men? A lot of them men have been Christians longer than I've been alive. And I can't teach the Bible to these men. He said, I was just overwhelmed. He said, listen, I love God. And Charles said this. He said, I lived a good Christian life. He said, by my nature, I'm a very disciplined person. I, I don't have a temper. He said, I eat perfect people like that just make me want to puke. (laughs) They don't have to work at it like I do. He said, I was a good person by nature, but I I just didn't think I could do this. And he said, I knew this is not right. I love God. I really do. I love the Bible. But this life, there's something wrong here. And he said, my wife went on a trip, brought back a little tiny book called They Found the Secret, written by Ray Edmond. And he said, it was the stories of people who out of, they loved God, but out of powerlessness discovered the power of God in their lives and it changed their lives. And it was businessmen, preachers, missionary, all kinds of people. Charles said, I read that book and said, the Lord opened my heart. I began to understand that Scripture teaches here that there's something called the Holy Spirit of God. Now Charles is not charismatic or Pentecostal. He's Baptist. He said and he said I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I don't believe in spiritual gifts, but I believe in God. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. And he said I learned to walk in the Holy Spirit to the point where where now, well, I mean, my goodness, he's the most watched TV preacher in the world now. And all these years, you know, been and he wrote a book about it called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. How that God took him as a good fellow, a Christian that believed the Bible, to a fellow that knew what it was to have the power of God in his life. Dear ones, listen to me. He said, well, that's Charles Stanley. Well, who are you? Aren't you a child of the living God? Aren't you a son or daughter of the living God? Aren't you just as important to Jesus as Charles Stanley is? Let me tell you something. You listen to what I'm fixing to say. You have a treasure in that earthen vessel right there. So the greatness or the power will be of God and not of you. Very Jesus lives inside of you if you're born again. And Charles said it just made, it, he said it made all the difference in my world, in the world. He said, now listen, listen, Charles still struggles. He still, he still doesn't like being in front of people. His marriage blew up years later. I mean, it, was, we, we, are, we are human people. We are earthen vessels. But there's a treasure in there. There's a special treasure inside of there. And uh, till the day you see Jesus, you go, I'm gonna call it tension. You go live in this tension between the divine, the supernatural of God, and our humanness. It's okay. He's not bothered by it. Religious people are. Me right. and him ain't. <laughs> Did you know I had a family that left our church one time because I said the word ain't? One of the deacons went to see her and said, why'd you leave? She said, I will never go to a church where a preacher says ain't in the pulpit. And they ain't here no more. And I ain't going to quit saying ain't. Good thing she didn't stick around. She'd have heard worse than that, wouldn't she? I'm sorry. Listen to me. Supernatural. There's going to be days where things are going to come out of my mouth and it's going to change people's lives. And I'm going to go, how did that happen? There's going to be days things are going to come out of my mouth and I'm going to go, where did that come from? Yeah. Supernatural. Treasure. Earthen vessel. That's the life we live now. Uh, let me quit. I'm a, okay, this is my final quit. My wings are out. All right, my landing gear's down here. It doesn't bother God. It doesn't bother Jesus. He meant for us to live this way. He's the one who said you got the treasure in an earthen vessel. He knew this. Matter of fact, can I tell you something? He prefers those kind of people. Church folks don't, but He does. 1 Corinthians one twenty-six. look at the people God uses, dear ones. God has chosen the weak, the foolish, the plain, and the rejected. He not only likes them people, He prefers using those kind of people. There's a reason. All right, let me ask you a question. Let me prove this to you. Jesus Christ as God Almighty came down to earth to fulfill the greatest mission in world history. God came down to this earth to do what? Save all of humanity. There's only one hope of humanity, and that's Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, everybody dies for all of eternity. He comes to the earth. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. So God steps down to the earth to save humanity. He wants to bring people into what He's doing. I don't understand that. I wouldn't turn it over to people. I'd do it all by myself. (laughs) You know how people are. But he decides he wants people involved in what the he wants people involved in the greatest enterprise in world history. Who's the first man he picks to work with him? Come on, y'all know. Simon Peter. He walks on the, start the middle, walks on the seashore, he sees a red fisherman named Simon, and he said to Simon, Follow me. Come walk with me, I'll make you fishers of men. Walk with me, I want you to help me save the world. Simon's the first guy he picked. Let me ask you a question. Was Simon supernatural? Well excuse me, let me ask you this. Was there something natural about Simon? Oh, yeah. Did he have an earthen vessel or what? Oh, yeah. Would he put a cussing on you? Yeah. After three years of discipleship training with Jesus, did he carry a knife? Yep. Would he whoop it out and cut you with it? Yep. After he was trained by Jesus. Yep. So he cut a man's ear off. You know why he cut his ear off? missed his head. <laughs> he did. He didn't, it wasn't a, people say a sword. It wasn't a sword. It looked like a machete, a little short machete. He whooped that thing up and cut a man's head off because he made him mad. Did Simon struggle with his temper? Yes. What do you think? And listen, that, that's not all. After Jesus went back to heaven, moved forward a few years, Acts chapter 10, Simon gets invited to go to somebody's house of another race. He said, you will never catch me dead in somebody's house It's not my race. He prejudiced after he was made the head of the church. Was he an earthen vessel? follow him all the way to Galatians chapter 2, Paul said, I got in his face and straightened him out because he was wrong. And he was wrong. He said, why would God use such a screwed up man? Don't you get it? He likes the treasure in the earthen vessel. Let me quote the next verse. That no flesh will glory in his presence. Listen to me. If I'm a great man and I'm perfect and I live better than you do and I'm well educated and I'm polished and I don't ever say ain't and I don't fart and I don't make a mistake, and I do something great, you know what you're going to say? That's a great man. But if God uses somebody like me to help people, you know what you're going to say? That's a great God right there. Exactly right. It's not about me getting the glory. The goal of our lives is to make Jesus famous. It's that He might be glorified. It's, it's, it's Him getting all the glory. You want know, to hear something crazy? Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Simon Peter, listen to how the Bible described him. He was an ignorant, uneducated man. Apparently, he never went to school. You know, he probably just went to fishing as a boy with his daddy never had any education. Let me ask you a question. How does an ignorant, uneducated man write a book? And it become the number one best-selling book in the world for 544 years in a row. The Bible. If you'll look over in your Bible sometime, you'll see two books called First and Second Peter. Guess who wrote them? That ignorant, uneducated man. You know, he kept his pen right beside his knife. That's God. God likes to take the most messed up people in the world, put that treasure inside of them, and so that people look at Simon and say, that had to be God. His whole point is to glorify His Son, not me. And He just delights in it. Guess what? That way He gets all the glory. I was told as a young man, I got saved, came to Jesus. I knew something about my heart had changed, but I needed a lot of help. How many of you know we need to grow after we get saved? And uh, I was beat up by religious people because I wasn't perfect to start with. Give me a rest, Doc. I'm smoking crack a few days ago. And now you want me to be raising the dead? How about some time to transition here? <laughs> I get saved, go to the church. Two weeks later, you know what they did to me? You know what they did? They put me on a church softball team. <laughs> Son, that's like putting the fox in charge of the I go on a church softball team. I, say, I play softball, I play ball athlete. And I went out there first game, they did something wrong, I flew into a cussing fit. <laughs> they were wrong. Preacher took me aside and said, son, we, we can't talk. I said, I had to give up Led Zeppelin. I can't smoke pot no more. I can't drink beer no more. I can't wear cowboy clothes no more. I got to wear these stupid uniforms. And now I can't cuss no more? What are y'all doing to me? Now, I'm not advocating cussing on the softball. That's why we don't have church softball teams. And I ain't going to have them neither. It's just a lightning strike for Satan. I ain't having the things. But my point is, The church didn't show me much mercy. God kept smiling at me. And over time, I haven't gotten better. The Holy Spirit's gotten more precious. He's greater. Listen, great is thy faithfulness. Not great is my faithfulness. Sound to me like you're putting it all on God. Now you're getting it. God is great. God is good. I need Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you so much. How in the world did we take this wonderful thing faith in Jesus Jesus living inside of us Jesus doing big things inside of us Jesus helping people through us how did we take that thing and reduce it down to a bunch of rules that nobody wants to keep anyway and call it religion how would we do this I want to praise you and thank you that you don't bind people up and beat people up you set people free I want to thank you and praise you that Jesus is alive today he's real he comes into people's hearts And not only do we have eternal life one day when our bodies croak, we're going to live forever. We have eternal life now. A man can really love his wife like Christ loves the church because Christ is moving inside of him. We can care about people the way Jesus does because Jesus has moved in. We can be free from the junk that causes so much pain because Jesus is in there. And then the rest of that stuff that you don't care nothing about, the religious people do, I don't care about it neither. I just want to praise you and thank you. You are great. I want to pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, if there's anybody in here that has never bowed their knee and said, I I want to follow Jesus, let's do it right now, Lord Jesus. Go all through this room. Open people's hearts to the good news. I never wanted to go to church, but I wanted to know somebody would love me like you do. I never wanted to become religious, but I wanted to meet a man who could take care of me. And I thank you that you're that man who can change my heart, wash my sins away, change my attitude and make life one. My life was a train wreck headed to prison and you've made it wonderful. Yes. I got the greatest wife in the world, great family, great friends. I got the shiniest bass boat. You, you've been good to me. Thank you for all that. I pray for every person in this room that don't know you, that they'll follow you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I know there has to come a point in our lives where we decide I'm going with Jesus. Let it be now for people. Friend, I right, we're praying. If you're sitting here and you've never decided to follow Jesus, let's do it right now. There's no better time than this. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to wait on? Why would you wait? Let's do it now. The Bible said this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's waiting for you to invite him into your heart and into your life. He's waiting for you to decide to follow him. You can do it with a simple prayer, but it's really not the prayer. It's the heart attitude. But let's, let's say this prayer. I'm going to help you. In your heart, quietly, don't say it out loud. In your heart, because that's where he's, he's listening. Say this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross because of me. I believe you did it because of my sins. And on that cross, you took my sins away. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins against you. I'm sorry that I did that to you. And now I ask you to come into my heart. And dear Jesus, I'm deciding to follow you. I want to be your son, your daughter. I want to be loved by you. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. From this day forward, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. You're my best friend. You're the love of my life. From this day forward. And Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for saving my soul. I believe you do what you say. I pray this prayer in the strong name of Jesus, precious Son of God. I pray if you prayed that and you meant it, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Put your hand up real high. Thank you. Put those back down. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you. Thank you that you're still calling people back to their Creator. And now, Lord, I want to pray one more prayer before we go and pray for the people in this room that have loved you and they've known you. Maybe like Charles Stanley. They love you, love the Word, but that's just a struggle. I pray they turn their hearts towards you and say, teach me about this precious gift inside of me. Teach me about the treasure that I have in this earthen vessel. And uh, Lord Jesus, I pray for them from this day forward. They have permission to be earthen vessels. They don't beat themselves up anymore because they struggle. They don't, they don't hammer on themselves anymore. That never was you. I want to thank you and praise you for that. But I pray people get to know the precious Holy Spirit of Jesus on the inside and say, dear Jesus, show me what you can and that I pray in Jesus' name that we will learn to walk with the Spirit. Talk to you, person, listen to you. Trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. And I believe you to hear my prayer and answer it for everybody in this room. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.